Exodus chapter 3 is where I'd like to focus this morning. There's so many powerful parts of God's word, especially in the Exodus. Uh, you'll see quickly where God had heard the cry of the people. And I want to talk about that tonight at 6 o'clock. The message is going to be the power of crying out. And I do hope that you will come back. I, I know Brett is playing. But DVR Brett and come to church, oh, that was not encouraging. Because <laughs> none of you would want to see that game any more than I do. If I'm coming, you better come. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3. Tonight is going to be on the power of crying out. One of the principles that we see, one of the premises of the very nature of God, that when his people cry out, he hears. And it's a powerful message. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 says, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile, spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Out. He's going to lead them out of where they were. Egypt, a geographical place, an actual place where people were actually in bondage. But Egypt also in this story, the story of us serving as a metaphor of the Egypts we often find ourselves in, of bondage and strongholds. And when we cry out to the Lord, He hears our cry. And He moves in a presence of power to bring us out. Today, you can come out of a life that's destroying you. Today, you can come out of a brokenness and a despair to a life of freedom and deep down joy. Because that's the power of God, and that's the story of God. It's the story of redemption. Redemption often is used as like an accounting term, but its original use and its most accurate definition is to bring us out. When you take the word redemption and go find its first usage in the Bible, you'll see it's God bringing his people out of bondage. God can bring you out today. I don't say that as is good preaching phrases, I say that from the heart, that there's nothing too strong for God. There's no bondage too strong for God. You can be delivered. You can be set free. There can be a fundamental shift in your heart. Tomorrow doesn't have to be like today. Next week doesn't have to be like last week. There is the power of transformation. Peter says he calls us out, out of darkness into a marvelous light, a freedom, a joy, a victory, you can know that victory today. I'm never surprised by a Sunday smile. I've been in this too long. 
And I know we can hide behind the Sunday smile and there be a brokenness and a death working on the inside today. Let God go there with you. Fear not, care not what someone else thinks. It's time for you to come out of your Egypt by the power of God. Rescue, rescue. That's the word we read here. He came to rescue them. You see, the stage was set for God to act in such a way that no one would be able to deny his power. There were all these spirits and gods that Egypt was focused on. They loved and they worshiped the Nile River. So God, in his power, turned the Nile into blood. They loved and they worshiped the sun, and so God blotted it out. They loved and worshiped cattle, and so God destroyed the cattle. One plague after the other where God was dominant and God was making a show of them openly, showing that he is God of gods and God of all gods and there's no one else like him and there's no one else beside him. He alone is God. I mean, they had this thing with frogs in Egypt and so God says, you like frogs? I'll give you frogs. And I mean, frogs were everywhere until they were like, please. I mean, they started realizing that Pharaoh was not God, but there was a God and it wasn't him. This 10th plague, read it with me. Go over to Exodus 12, if you will. Talks about Passover. It talks about the death angel. It talks about the application of the blood. Verse 21, then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin. Take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of the door frames of your houses. No one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will pass over. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. You know we're getting an awesome picture here. For Egypt serves at many different levels. Not only the level of these actual people in an actual nation in slavery, but at a a level for all of us that is showing us that we are part of a kingdom of darkness, we are born in sin, we have a sin nature, and there must be a deliverer come. We are part of this worldly kingdom, the kingdom of this world where values are broken and priorities are misplaced. And so a deliverer must come. And as Moses went into Egypt, God sent his son, Jesus came into this world. And the blood that you see applied to the top of the door and on each side starts pointing us to the cross, the story of us, the story of redemption. When they put it across the top of the door, The doorway that John in the New Testament says is that of Christ. For Jesus, he said, would be the door, the way, the only way. The only way to God, the only way to salvation, the only way to eternal life. The only way is through Jesus Christ. 
That's why John said he is the lamb, not a lamb among many sacrifices that could save you, but the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the blood there at the top of the door, Jesus being the door, the blood at the top, symbolic of the crown of thorns, thorns that came after the fall of man, a type of sin. And now the blood is going to shed, and as it comes down, the brow of Jesus, there would be a sprinkling at the foot of the door, just like the sprinkling of blood there in the mercy seat, at the mercy seat, in the holy of holies, all pointing to a time when Jesus With arms outstretched. There in Exodus, it says with powerful arms stretched out, there would be a redemption, a payment made, so that Passover could happen. It's Jesus. It's about Jesus, and he dies on a cross there in the New Testament. It's a type that we see here in the Old Testament so that we could come out of our Egypt today and be completely set free. He has made a show of principalities and powers. He has dominated them. That which dominated us, he has overtaken and overcome. And now his name is far above every other name. At the name of Jesus, that's where the power comes to break a bondage, to heal a sickness, to set someone free, to take the despair, to take the brokenness and make you new. It's the power of Jesus Christ. I don't want to ever lose that central to our message is the power of the blood. There are many things that this world will offer you to set up a pharmacy to try and address issues in your life. The greatest treatment center, the greatest power, the greatest influence we will ever know is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. For his blood, once it's applied, has a life-changing influence on your life rescue rescue that's that's the premise of Egypt that God would hear their cry and rescue them and I want you to see words of covenant look over at Exodus 6 if you will verse number 6 therefore say to the people of Israel I am the Lord I will free you from your oppression and will rescue from you you from your slavery in Egypt I will redeem you with a powerful arm That's the cross and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. He's talking about covenant in those couple of verses. And an English synonym for the word covenant is the word determine or determination. And I want you to see in those verses how determined God was to provide payment so we could be reconciled to him. You don't have to be distant or disconnected Your life can be reconciled to God. Freedom can come all through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's not by works of righteousness that we do. It's by the grace of God. He said to all of the Israelites, apply the blood. He didn't say, here's how you need to live. He didn't pick out those who had lived a certain way, who qualified to be saved. It's not by works of righteousness. We're saved by the blood. We're saved by grace. That's why whosoever will may come. Some would hear a message like this and say, but I've done too much. No, 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 you haven't. 
I address that lie. That's a lie from the enemy of your soul. Grace is available. Mercy is available. New life is available. Because it's not about you. It's all about the perfection of the sacrifice when the blood was shed. It came from Jesus, the sinless Son of God. And he who knew no sin, knew no sin, was perfect, became sin, that we, we might become the righteousness of God, the power of the cross. Is that your testimony today that but for the grace of God, you can't imagine where you'd be for anyone here lost and broken. Grace, grace, grace. I shout grace to you today. Grace is available. 1949, Billy Graham was preaching beneath a tent and God was using him in a mighty way. He caught a burden and a passion to take the gospel of salvation to the nations of the world. You know the story, 60 years now, no scandal, impeccable integrity. Out of his heart, he has preached the gospel message. And he would start it like this. We have a sinful nature, but there is a loving God who has given his son. And through his grace, you can have peace with God because he reconciles us to God. Isn't that amazing? It's the simple message of God's grace. His mercy is what makes the difference. His mercy applied to our hearts opens a door of fresh hope and fresh opportunity. That's the kind of message that we as a church have to have. I give that message to you that don't know Christ. I give that message to those of you who do because now that's your message and that's your ministry. It's one of reconciliation. It's one of taking this gospel and going to people who are broken and need to know that Jesus saves. I want us to be a faith family that makes known the power of the cross. You know how committed I am to the preaching of the cross. The cross, the gospel of salvation. Let me show you one other facet, and I'll bring this message to a close. Not only was Moses there trying to see deliverance happen for people individually, but he was confronting a system you see, sin in the garden, now it's gone global and you have a, a whole nation, a whole system that is oppressive and evil. And so Moses is also confronting at another level. See, Egypt serves at a level for where we all are personally. Things we need to come out of. It also speaks to the culture of the times, the spirit of the age. And where there's something wrong and broken not only is the gospel that which applies to the individual heart, it's also the gospel that applies to the morals of a nation. And there are times that we not only have to preach to the soul of men and women, but to the systems of this world that are destroying people. You see, Moses was burdened and God was burdened by a nation that would enslave people. It was anti everything that the kingdom of God was about. As you watch this world unfold, we're watching things that are anti everything God is about. And the same gospel that preaches to the lost soul is the same gospel that brings truth to a system that is broken. So when you see life not cherished and we, we abort babies by the, the thousands and, and it's becoming like no big deal deal we bring the gospel to that kind of a system and say there is a word in the gospel about that 
And if someone has had an abortion, we don't heap condemnation. We, we preach grace. We preach mercy to that soul. But we also preach truth to a system that would not value life. We, we, we take this gospel and we, we put it right into a system that is trying to redefine marriage. Marriage, by the gospel, is very clear. It's between a man and a woman. And so we see this system that's broken and twisted and even clergy preaching and ordaining and marrying people of the same sex. It is time for not only preaching of the gospel to the souls of men, but to the broken systems of the world. There still has to be a pulpit where there can be a preached word that right is right and we have a set of convictions and they're not formed out of human opinion, but out of the gospel of of God, the word of truth, for it's the word of truth that's the foundation upon which we will build our lives and be held in the time of storm. Martin Luther King, he, he, he said, wait, we've got two water fountains here. This one's for white people. This one's for black people. There's something wrong about that. And he, he preached to a system and we've got a long way to go, but we've come a long way because someone said racism breaks the heart of God. It was a system that was broken, and it was the gospel, and it works today. And, and, and we get into these camps. Will you give me a few more minutes? We get into these camps. Some people say we're all about the social gospel. And so we just feed the poor and clothe the naked and, and, and send money. These people over here, they say, well, we're just about the souls, man. People need to be saved. We're, we're going to preach the grace of God to salvation. And often they even compete with each other. And, and these people in this camp say, oh, y'all are just about social issues. And you forget that they have a soul. And what good does it do if you feed them if they don't know Jesus? And then these people over here say, when people are starving, they can't hear your message until you put some food in their stomach. And instead of trying to get in one camp or the other, let's learn about our story, the story of us, that this gospel comes to address both the soul and the system so that we can preach the word to the lost and then in tangible ways we can meet needs. That's what I'm talking about, an active faith. When I ask you to serve God in another context because we need to be found doing something and then saying something. And the world seeing our good works will begin to glorify our Father who is in heaven. We're not a, just a church that talks and that does, does you know, CPR on our own pride with our own hot air trying to prop up our own kingdom but that's all about us and how good we can make it for us and all of our comfort and all of our jazz and all of our bells and all of our whistles just making it better and greater and more luxury. Let's have a burden for the souls of men and preach his kingdom, not our kingdom, his gospel, not our opinion and let's serve out of a heart that's been changed by grace. And I want to tell you, it'll be social and spiritual. Hallelujah. Wow. We care about poverty of spirit, and we care about poverty. We care about children that are dying. We 
because they have no food. And we care about the bread of life getting delivered to the soul. And Exodus shows us a workable lead that we've been given a gospel that will confront both in grace and love and it will change lives. I close with this and tell you how impacted I am by Billy Graham. He, he's a hero to me. Man that preaches the way he does, the simplicity of the gospel of grace. He goes into those stadiums and it has always amazed people that on the, the, the field, he'll usually be in some kind of baseball stadium, football stadium, and so the field has no chairs. Only people can sit in the stadium seating. And they're like, if we could put chairs there, we could have more people. He said, but we can't because when I give the invitation, we're gonna need all this space for those that are gonna be coming to accept Christ. So he would declare that message. You have a sin nature, you can hear his voice. But there's a loving God. He sent his son. Through his son, you can have peace with God and be reconciled because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You admit you're a sinner and that he's the savior. Confess him as your Lord and your sins will be forgiven and it will be a whole new day. His team would come as this team has come and they would begin to play and sing the simple song, Just As I Am. And all across those stadiums, people would come by the hundreds and even the thousands. And grace would work, grace would flow, grace would change lives. Amazing, amazing grace. He held and continues to hold a deep conviction about the grace of God that can call you out. And my message to you today is that you can come out of your bondage. You can come out of that addiction. Listen, don't, don't, don't hear this as religious jargon. Hear this from my soul. You can come out of your addiction. You can be set free. A fundamental change can happen in your heart. And the power of God working on the inside will work its way through your character and set you free. You're hurting, you're broken, there's pain in your heart. God will set you free. Come out of your Egypt today. The way has been made, deliverance is offered. Come out of Egypt. Come out of the Egypt of sin. Come out of the Egypt of your brokenness. Come by the grace of God. Come into life, come into purpose come just as you are you don't go clean up and then come you don't try to get fixed and then respond you come as you are he'll heal you he'll forgive you he'll uncomplicate your life one miracle after another just come just come with all of the baggage of yesterday's pain and yesterday's sin just come come as you are but you won't leave the way you came because grace is going to do a work in your life